Hello and welcome to Good News That Actually Is, where three to five sets you free to thrive. Three to five minute encouragements to help your joy by empowering your soul. I am your host, Tim Ashley. talk to you about so much uh, favor this morning. Last Wednesday, uh, Sheila and I took a road trip and we drove back roads down to Atlanta so we could get our global reentry interviews taken care of at the Atlanta airport. And uh, we do the back roads because they're more scenic and pleasant than the interstate to us. You see a lot more of the country you live in if you get off the interstate. Uh, most people that all they do, they drive the interstate, they think that the only thing that exists in America is Wendy's, McDonald's, Burger King, and, you know, gas stations, hotels. That's the landscape. But it's not. If you get off the interstate, you find out that there's some amazing diversity in our country. So now I've been to the Atlanta airport many times. And every time I've ever been there, I've, I have witnessed or at least experienced firsthand bad service, and bad attitudes toward people needing help. But this time was different. We arrived an hour early at the airport. We took the shuttle from the parking lot to the terminal nearby. Once inside, we sought assistance, and each time the person was extremely friendly. And when we went to the Delta counter, which, by the way, I have never had a super pleasant experience at a Delta counter. We get to the Delta counter... And we were directed to a, to a lady at that counter, and she actually came out from behind the counter and walked an extremely long way with us through the airport to point us to the right shuttle. And she was really pleasant and chatty the whole time we walked, we talked, and uh, she made sure we got on the right shuttle. So when we arrived at the concourse where we were supposed to go, we were very kindly directed by somebody who had just got off their shift wanting to go home took the time with us to make sure we got to the right location. Once we arrived, we gave our names and our time of, a, uh, of appointment. And the gentleman behind the, the glass was extremely nice and engaging. And we cut up and carried on with each other. It was just a, a, a pleasant time. And, and, and that was as others began filing into the same space who had appointments earlier set than our own. See, we got there at 5, and all the 5, 5.15, 5.30, 5.45 appointments come filing in. We were set for 6. So I was just thinking, man, we're going to be here for a little while, sitting in these uncomfortable metal chairs, but, but no. The door opened up, and the guy said, Tim, Ashley? I said, that's me. He said, come on. I'm thinking, well, these guys are scheduled, scheduled just like, Wow. Okay, I'll go back. <laughs> I went back, came back out, and matter of no time, sat down beside Sheila. I said, they'll probably call, call you next. She said, I don't know. These are... Sheila Ashley? Yeah, there she goes. We were in and out in a total of about 15 minutes. You know? And we were early to... Uh, in Atlanta Airport is the busiest airport in the world. Okay? And that's why people are so, that work there are so aggravated most of the time. 
They've been dealing with stupid on levels that we can't even begin to imagine, okay? And so most of the time they're frustrated. But, but everything was extremely pleasant. And then when we got out, we, we were wondering, okay, we got to get all the way back to the domestic side. So I, I stopped a lady who had walked past me, and she stopped. She said, yes, sir, how can I help you today? I was like, wow, this just keeps happening, you know? Normally in Atlanta, you stop somebody, and they're like, what? You know, if they stop. So half the time, they'll ignore you and pretend they didn't hear you. But, but that she did that. I said, can, can I catch the shuttle back to domestic out here so I can get my shuttle back to the parking lot where I'm parked? She said, absolutely. The one you want is just outside there to the right. I said, okay. And I was waiting on Sheila to catch up to me because she was involved with something. And so she came out. And I said, we got to go. The shuttle's out there. As we walked out the door, the shuttle pulled off. And so I went to the next shuttle, and I got on that shuttle, and I asked the lady, I said, is this the shuttle that will take me back to domestic? She said, no, that's not where I'm headed. Uh, that, that one that just left is the one you wanted. You just missed it. And I said, oh, man, is there, is there another one coming? She said, ah, let me. <laughs> and so she got on the radio, and she found out she didn't like the time frame that was involved. So she looked at me, and she said, ah, get on board. I just became your shuttle. So John all understands. And so, so we get there, and then, I mean, delivered to the, to the front of the truck the whole bit. And uh, so, uh, and then we left there, and we went and spent some time with our friends, Mark and Jennifer Match in, in uh, Alabama, and came home on Thursday. And just such a relaxing time. Um, such a pleasant we went to Atlanta Airport and had a pleasant experience. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. I was blown away by the joyful and gracious attitudes we kept encountering. It was a miracle. But we both knew that it was a favor of God on our behalf. Because we didn't see these people acting the same way toward other people. They were different toward other people. No, I was not passing out $20 bills. <laughs> My point is simply that in Christ we have such great favor, but sadly we often do not realize it. Because of his favor on us, we had a relaxing and enjoyable two-day trip, and we give Jesus the praise for that. Now, I'm not saying his favor is intended to pay the smooth, easy street for us in every situation or that it protects us from all inconveniences. That's not what I'm saying. But I do believe it can help take what could otherwise be a stressful situation and turn it into a restful one. More importantly, I believe it can help us realize his willingness to heal and to do us good. It can be a catalyst for us to be familiar with and believe in the goodness of God at all times, no matter what's going on. So that being said, I want to point out today how the father of faith in Scripture walked in great favor and a healing ministry before it was ever even really known that there was such a thing. You ready to read about it? You got your Bibles? Turn to Genesis chapter 20. Genesis chapter 20. We're going to go to the, the starting book of the Bible. And we're going to see healing ministry. 
and favor in the starting book of the Bible. Genesis chapter 20, beginning in verse 1 of chapter 20. I'm reading from the New King James Version. I don't know if you have that one or not, but if you don't, just know that there will be a slight difference, but it's okay. They're saying the same thing to us. Abraham journeyed from there to the south and dwelt between Kadesh and Shur and stayed in Gerar. And now Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. Well, that doesn't feel like favor, does it? Somebody comes and takes your wife. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Indeed, you are a dead man. Because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is a man's wife. But Abimelech had not come near her, and he said, Lord, will you slay a righteous nation also? Did he not say to me, she is my sister? And she, even she herself said, he is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and innocence of my hands, I have done this. And God said to him in a dream, Yes, I know that you did this in the integrity of your heart, for I also withheld you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Now, therefore, restore the man's wife, for he is a prophet, and he will pray for you, and you shall live. But if you do not restore her, know that you shall surely die, you and all who are yours. So Abimelech rose early in the morning, called all his servants, told all these things in their hearing, and the men were very much afraid. And Abimelech called Abraham, called Abraham and said to him, What have you done to us? How have I offended you that you have brought on me and on my kingdom a great sin? You've done deeds to me that ought not to have been done. Then Abimelech said to Abraham, Now get this. He, he, he believes Abraham's guilty of causing this problem, right? You have done deeds that ought not to be done. Then Abimelech said to Abraham, what do you have in view that you have done this thing? In other words, I'm not judging your heart or your motive. You tell me, why did you do this? And Abraham said, because I thought, surely the fear of God is not in this place. And they will kill me on account of my wife. But indeed, she is truly my sister. In other words, I didn't lie. She is the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother. And she became my wife. And it came to pass, when God caused me to wander from my father's house, that I said to her, this is your kindness that you should do for me. And every place wherever we go, say of me, he is my brother. Then Abimelech took sheep. Now get this. Abimelech didn't say, you pitiful excuse of a man. You weak, pathetic soul. He doesn't raise any accusations he doesn't do anything like that at all look what he says he does then Abimelech took sheep oxen and male and female servants and gave them to Abraham 
And he restored Sarah, his wife, to him. And Abimelech said, See, my land is before you. Dwell where it pleases you. Then to Sarah he said, Behold, I have given your brother a thousand pieces of silver. Talking about Abraham. Indeed, this vindicates you before all who are with you and before everybody. Thus Sarah was rebuked. So Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech, his wife, and his female servants, and then they bore children. Why? Because God had closed up all their wombs on account of Sarah. Now, why would a king who felt he had been deceived do all this for the man he was put in danger by? <laughs> Why? That doesn't make sense. Justice would say, you need to be punished. You deserve something bad happened to you. You're the cause of all this problem. So why... Would a king who felt he'd been deceived do all this for the man he was putting down? I mean, he made him rich. Made him rich. It was because Abraham was a man who was made righteous by God based on faith alone. Abraham was a man of unearned grace and unmerited favor. It was not Abraham's, Abraham's perfect track record that produced, produced favor with God. It was his walking by faith with God. And this is so clearly demonstrated in this story. Until things got worked out, I wonder what it felt like to Abraham knowing Sarah was with Abimelech. I wonder what his nights were like. I hope Sarah's all right. I hope he's not violating my wife. I wonder how she feels. I wonder how scared she is. I wonder if Abraham was saying, Lord, protect Sarah. I, I, I almost will gamble that to Abraham in that particular moment of circumstance, watching them cart Sarah away and then having to deal with the days and the nights she was absent from him not knowing what might be happening I wonder if that felt to Abraham like favor even when I don't see it you working even when I don't feel it you're working you never stop you never stop working. You never stop. Sarah's not there. She's in the home of a king of another land. There's no way Abraham can know what's unfolding in the walls of the palace. It's impossible to know. But even when he can't see it, God is working. I submit to you that in your own life, the same thing is true. 
This is how things work in our situation. See, when you come to Christ in faith, you're made the very righteousness of God and you become a new creation. Now think about that. You have unearned grace and unmerited favor just as Abraham did. We might be hated and even persecuted by those who hate God. We might even be experiencing some difficult circumstances right now in our lives. Maybe something went wrong. Maybe something's happened. You know, maybe something didn't turn out the way you hoped it would. But we can't expect to see the favor of God manifest through others towards us. God makes this happen. And God is at work on our behalf even now, even when it feels like, even when I can't see it happening, I've had to tell people before, I don't think I would do that to me if I were you. And they'd say, why do you say that? I said, because the one who's for me isn't going to like it very much. So I'd, it'd be ill-advised. You need to rethink what you're thinking and what you're planning. And you need to stop. Everything was ascribed a, 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 a new, fresh awareness of value because of the new covenant, because of favor. We all have favor. That's why we are to respect and honor one another. We all share equal value and favor in the eyes of God. The one way you grieve the Holy Spirit, everybody wants to talk about grieving the Holy Spirit, and they want to make it about, you know, particular sins. But when the Scriptures speak of grieving the Holy Spirit, it speaks of damaging relationships with others in the body of Christ. Do you know that? Ephesians is talking about bitterness. Ephesians is talking about unforgiveness. Ephesians is talking about anger and things like that and then saying don't grieve the Holy Spirit whereby you were sealed but the thing that grieves the Spirit is when we behave in ways toward one another that's inappropriate and not according to the favor we have all received in Christ Jesus you have favor now because of grace and favor with God Abraham, as a man of faith, prayed for Abimelech and his household to be healed, and they were healed. See, when you begin to realize you're favored, you begin to realize you have some authority. Which kid, parents, all you need to know in the... In the, the situation of your home as to which kid is viewed by the other kids as the kid with your favor is the one that they always send to you when they want something. I'm not asking them. You ask them. They'll, they'll tell you yes every time. You go do it. Ask not. Yes, it is. You go do it. Go ask them because they'll say yes to you. If I go ask, we won't get it. So go ask. See, some of you are laughing because you've had this experience. 
You've had this experience. But what if all of them equally felt faith? Let's all go ask. It'll up the ante. Even if one of us went, he'd say yes. If we all say, how much more? That's why Jesus said, if any two or more of you agree as touching anything, it shall be yours from my Father in heaven. The church can up the ante when a church moves in unity according to favor. You get a hold of a revelation of the favor of God on your life individually, and then you take that and you begin to weld and meld that with the body collectively, and there are going to be things start to happen that you never dreamed would ever happen. But the problem the church has been uh, facing in the modern generation is how do you get the church to truly be in unity on the things that really matter? Well, you can't if they're not even convinced they have the favor of God in their own life. Why come to a prayer meeting and do this thing of talking to God and telling Him what you'd like to see and what you'd like to have happen, that you want to know His heart, you want to be in partnership with Him, if you don't think that He's going to hear you or do anything about what you say? If your friend had invited you to dinner several occasions and each time you went they had nothing prepared, How many times is that going to happen before you finally say, I'm not going? Forget it. Wasting my time. I'll get there. They won't have it prepared, and I'll have to go in the kitchen and cook if, I'm, if we're all going to eat. That's how a lot of people treat prayer. And it's kind of sad. It's kind of a subconscious thing. It's not right there on the front of their mind and their heart. But when you, when you look at what prayerlessness is, when you look at the inability to, to commit, you know, any effort in it, it's usually rooted in, I don't expect anything to come from it. So why bother? I can better invest my time with some other things going on. Same thing's true about sowing the seed of the Word of God into your heart. If, you don't, if you're not convinced because of the favor of God that God intends to take this seed that you're sowing into your heart and your mind and cause it to produce an abundant harvest of fruit in your life, then why read it? You, you can read a fantasy book and it'll be more intriguing and exciting to you. People ask me of the books I read. I said, I read the Bible. Most exciting book on earth. They say, no, no, what book do you read? I said, I read the Bible. Most exciting book on earth. Well, what book have you read lately? The Bible. The most exciting book on earth. I don't have a whole lot of books that I've read because they don't do that much for me. I read The Old Man and the Sea by Ernest Hemingway, one of the best books I've ever read. But it still doesn't compare to when I open the pages of this one. I see things in here that excite my soul in a way that no human 
author and any other book can do. Just the other books don't do it for me. They just don't do it for me. I'm not telling anybody don't read. If you love to read, by all means read. But please, read the Bible, <laughs> right? Find out what God says about you, about his son, about what was done at the cross, about what the new covenant's all about. You have favor. Learn what it is. Learn how it works in your life. Because I promise you, the reason I'm telling you that is not so that you can have all these things. It's so that you can be a blessing to others. People who know they have favor aren't scrambling to get acceptance. People who know they have favor aren't scrambling to get attention. People who know they have favor are already filled with what they need. And they're ready in to, to let the abundant overflow of what they've already received go to others. They're not coming into the room and getting louder and louder in the hopes that everybody will look their direction. They're not coming into the room and pulling on everybody's shirt sleeve. Hey, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. They're the ones that walk quietly in the room and just begin to find ways to serve the people that are already there. That's what they do. They know they have favor. They are not the ones that walk into the room and apologizing for being who they are. A person of favor is not going around apologizing for who God's made them to be. Nowhere does Abraham in the scriptures, nowhere does the Holy Spirit give us any sign of any kind of evidence where Abraham says, Oh, Abimelech, I am so sorry that I put you in this predicament. The only thing Abraham did was answer his question. The reason I did what I did is simple. Most of you guys are pagan. Boy, this is anything but an apology. I was convinced there's no fear of God here. That's offensive. Think about that. What Abraham said is not what negotiators, negotiators would insist you need to do. They would insist that what Abraham should have done, first and foremost, is say, Wow, hadn't thought about that. I am so sorry. I have inconvenienced you in this way. Would you please forgive me? But that is not what Abraham did. Abraham said, the reason I told her to say what she said is because we believe there's no fear of God here and that I could lose my life. You talk about an insult. That'd be like you invite me to dinner, you work two hours on it special, special dinner, and I come in carrying a KFC bag. No offense to those that think that the KFC bag would be an improvement. But I come in carrying a KFC bag and say, we're here to have dinner. I just, no, I've got that. No, no, let's eat the KFC.
Now, I promise you, if Abraham said something like that in these modern times, they'd be ready to kill him. Except for the favor of God, right? A person who knows favor isn't walking around apologizing left and right to everybody who thinks that they are an offense to them. But isn't that where our culture is right now? See, you need to apologize for breathing. You need to apologize for starting your mower on a, on a weekend to cut your grass. You need to apologize for, you know, eating a certain way. You need to apologize for all kinds of things today, you know. You've got to apologize if you get a vaccine. You've got to apologize if you didn't. You've got to apologize if you wear a mask. You've got to apologize if you don't. Come on. It's insanity. And if the church does not get a revelation of her favor with God, she'll struggle to navigate the kind of situations we are finding ourselves in on a daily basis. You'll have a hard time. You'll be very confused because there is a demonic confusion and deception operating in this nation. It's there. And so, I'm telling you, you need to know the favor of God for you. You need to know the favor of God. The favor of God's also seen in the early church, even though there were enemies out to resist, discredit them. We read how they too had great favor with God and men. In Acts 2, 46 and 47, it simply says this. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. I love that, simplicity of heart. I would love to see the church once again eat their bread with gladness and simplicity of heart. And not always complicate it. It'd be a beautiful picture, wouldn't it? Verse 47, praising God, having favor with all the people. What? Praising God and having favor with what? All the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Now, let me just really quickly, in the few minutes I have left here, give you another example of how favor works. Israel was in bondage 400 years. God does 10 plagues to Egypt, even to the taking of the firstborn of Egypt. Remember? The tenth and final plague. I mean, these people have been through the, through the boils. I mean, they've lost their crops. They, I mean, these people have been through it. The flies, the frogs. I, come on. I mean, miserable city, right? All because of the God of Israel. Which means it's because of Israel. In the tenth and final plague, the firstborn throughout Egypt die in a night. Can you imagine the mourning? Can you imagine the hurt, the pain, the anguish throughout Egypt? But get this. The favored ones went out the next morning with the spoils of Egypt. Here's the deal. It says the Egyptians 
gladly gave them. Gladly gave Israel riches, supplies for the journey. Gladly. Why would a people who are suffering through the anguish of such deep loss and prolonged misery give the cause of it these amazing things gladly? Favor. Favor. When you know you have favor, you're a lot bolder about a great many things. Moses had the favor of God. And when they came against Moses in the desert, and God said, that's it, I'm done. I'm going to kill all of them, and I'm going to make a nation out of you. Moses, knowing the favor of God, said, may it not be so, Lord. You brought them up out of Egypt. Don't do this thing and then let the nations start to make up their own narrative and say that you could get them out of Egypt, but you couldn't get them to where you wanted to take them and that you're, a, you're just a crazy, vengeful God. May it not be so, Lord. Take me if you have to. Spare them. Prophetic type. Of Christ. Jesus went to the cross to say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Why did he have to say that? Because had he not said that, the wrath of God would be invoked. Instead, he took it upon himself. He interceded. He told Peter in the garden, Put away the sword. Do you not understand that all I'd have to do is ask and there would be dispatched thousands upon thousands of angels to my, my aid right now? This would end in a second. But Jesus, knowing the favor of the Father, knowing who he was, was able to press through all of that and say that this is meant to be. This inconvenient moment is designed for a reason. It might be your circumstance, your inconvenient moment right now is designed for a reason. And always when God moves, part of the reason is, is so he can show who has his favor. When you believe in the favor of God towards you, it opens up doors of possibility and opportunity. And it can impact how you view the availability of healing from heaven flowing in you and through you. See, this may not seem like a healing message in our summer school of healing, but it is. Because part of getting the idea that healing is part of the willingness of God is you first have to settle the idea that God has given you favor. See, this equips you. God testified to Israel after bringing them up out of Egypt that he was the Lord who heals them. He desired to show them his favor. And Jesus testified to Jerusalem prophetically of how he would have often gathered them like a mother hen gathers her chicks under her wings and shelters them, but they would not. 
They wouldn't let him do it. There's so much testimony in Scripture of the favor God has toward us and the desire of God to show favor to us and how it is ours based on faith. It's staggering how much there is in the Scriptures about it. The Greek word for favor is the same Greek word for grace. It is charis. God not only gives you grace, He gives you in giving you grace favor. They are like twin sisters. They're not the same thing. They're like twin sisters. They look a lot alike, but one is different somewhat. One is how you get to the other. Grace is how you get in the favor of God. And so if you try to go a route that takes you out from under the idea of grace, you're taking yourself in your own soul, your own conscience, you're removing yourself from the place of recognized favor in your life. Because you are opening yourself up to condemnation. This thing is by faith, saints. You have the favor of God. But to realize this benefits more and more, you have to believe it is yours. And the more you believe it is yours, the more you are activated in it to receive and be able to serve and help others. Your, your, your generosity, your, your willingness to serve and to be available and all that stuff goes up to the level of what you understand your favor to be. The more favored you know yourself to be, the more willing you are to help others. But instead, we want to go at it the reverse way. We want to tell you what you ought to be doing. See, it's, it's been backwards for far too long. We, we thought the, the quickest route to get things where they were were to tell you, this is what you need to be doing. Go and do it. Well, that puts you into a performance mindset. Because then you have to figure out, well, if I do this, what's God going to do? And then you get into this idea that if I do this, I've earned a, a measurable favor. I've, I've gone up another rung on the ladder of favor with God. You don't go up the rungs of the ladder of favor with God. You're already at the top of the ladder. You're already there. Quit thinking you've got to do something else to get there. If we reverse it the way the kingdom operates, what we do is we make you aware of the favor you already have so that you have the perfect freedom and security to be and to do everything that God says is yours to be and to do. That's the whole idea. You can accomplish anything God says is yours to accomplish. You can do it. The kingdom and all that it offers is accessed by faith. That's how this works. It's all based on believing in and receiving His goodness and knowing and believing in His willingness. And if you believe you already have His favor, you're like the, ch the kid that gets sent to mom and dad. You believe you can ask. You believe you can ask. Jesus wants His bride to walk in His favor. And He's promised everything we need. His favor isn't based on our performance. It's based on His grace that's freely given to us when by faith we surrender to Jesus. See, even the measure of your surrender is 
is either limited or opened up by the revelation you have of the goodness of Christ. Thanks for tuning in today. Never forget that you are loved by a faithful God whose obedient son, Jesus Christ, willingly died on a cross so that you can live today and always from the abundance of his life in you. Please subscribe and share this with others so that they too can experience the three to five that sets you free to thrive. And be sure to tune in next time to Good News That Actually Is. Please visit us at our website, goodnewsthatactuallyis.com. There you'll find transcripts of the program, video files, and other opportunities. We look forward to visiting with you there and ask you to subscribe. Have a great day.